Welcome to On The Map, the podcast at the intersection of real estate, startups, and technology. I'm your host, David Beats. I want to thank you for joining us. Now on to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the On The Map podcast. Today, we have Anthony Vecino on our podcast, and Anthony is a best-selling author, real estate investor, and serial entrepreneur. He is the co-founder is sorry, he is the co-founding partner of Invictus Capital, a multifamily acquisition firm based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, that provides busy working professionals with the opportunity to invest better. Uh, Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, so we have uh, we connected a while back, and um, it'd just be interesting to learn a little bit more about what you're doing around multifamily and investments, and just kind of you know the the services that you provide? Yeah, so we are uh, a multifamily investment firm. And the thing that makes us kind of unique in our space is two things. One, we're vertically integrated. So we have in-house property management teams that work daily with our residents and on leasing, maintenance, all that stuff, right? Um, The other thing that makes us really unique is that we're hyper-focused geographically to our market where we reside, which is the Twin Cities. So we focus a lot in Minneapolis, St. Paul, first string suburbs. And so that gives us a a lot of local edge because it's our backyard and we know it really well. Um, And then that coupled with the vertical integration just gives us a lot of control over like the end user experience. And that's something that we're really keen on. And so we work with retail investors who are interested in investing in commercial real estate passively. Um, And one of the things that makes us unique on that front is that we don't really partner with capital raising partners. So everything that we do is really self-generated and our investors are coming into our deal flow. um, And then we manage those assets. So it's kind of, um, we're kind of control freaks in that way, but it gives us, um, it it gives us confidence knowing that at the end of the day, we're fully accountable to the results that we're um, not guaranteeing, but, you know, uh, showing to our investors or to our, our residents. Okay. Okay. So are you acting as like the developer or are you just kind of seeking, seeking projects that have, that have maybe already been built? Yep. So historically we focused on pre-existing, you know, what we okay. call vintage assets. And so um, that's been like, our focus is really in that value add multifamily space. So we're going in there and doing the renovations and improvements. Uh, we're also dipping our toes right now into the, to the, not the development ground up, but more on the the conversion side, taking old office and trying to turn it into to multifamily space. Cause Right now, there's a lot of office space just kind of sitting dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, with the pandemic, there's a lot of, you know, kind of a lot of extra office space out there that that might might never be used. You know, might never be needed again. Yeah. yeah exactly. If you look so, at it, it's really interesting. I was looking at some some number. I used to live in San Francisco, and if you look at the numbers of just how much vacancy there is right now on the office side of, of things, like if you right. could find a way like to convert that to its highest and best use, which in the Bay Area is probably multifamily housing because there is such a shortage of supply. Like it's pretty much just a peninsula, right? So um, right, really yeah, yeah. If we could turn that into multifamily. That would be a great, uh, great win, both for the community, but then also for, you know, the buildings that are just sitting dead. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So were you, were you involved in real estate when you were in San Francisco or were you doing something else? So, yeah, you know, it's interesting back then I was, a, so I was a professional rock climber in a past life and I was living out okay. in San Francisco doing that. 
Um, and then yeah. my career was ending and that's when I really started my journey into entrepreneurship. And I took those skills as a rock climber and my network of rock climbing friends and I built high rise uh, window washing company. So we went oh, and cool. washed the windows on like these big, big, big buildings. Um, right. and at that yeah. time it was interesting. That was actually, um, I got started investing in real estate in, in college doing fix and flips, but like my, it was my roommate and his dad who were doing it. And I was just kind of tagging along and, and helping out. But all I learned was like, I can swing a hammer, but I can't hit the nail. So like, right, I'm yeah, not yeah. on that side of things. So then when I was in San Francisco, this is like fast forward, maybe 10 years later, um, a buddy comes to me and he's like, Hey, I'm buying these buildings. Do you want to do that together? And my, my experience with real estate had been the fix and flip. So I said, no, I don't want anything to do with that um, actively. I'll invest in this. I'll give you some money. You, you go do it, but I don't want to have anything to do with it. So we bought right, some, right. some buildings and we still own those and they've been doing very well. But I was very passive because at that point I hadn't realized all the different ways that real estate um, would jive with my personality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So, so what brought you to Minneapolis? The weather of all yeah. things. I say that like, people don't believe me. Here's the really right. funny thing about like I. So my dad was military. We traveled a lot, and it just happened to be that my last two years of high school were in Minnesota, and okay. yeah. that just kind of felt like home. But as soon as I got out of high school, I left and then came back for a bit, and then I left again. And I was living in San Francisco, and if you've ever been there, like the weather's always 68 degrees, sunny with maybe a little bit of overcast, but like it never fluctuates much beyond right. 68 degrees. And right. without seasons, I was finding that I was losing sense of time. It was really weird. Right. Like yeah. I look back on the yeah. years and I'm like, Oh, when was that again? Was that 2012, 13? I don't know. It all kind of blurred into one. So I wanted more seasons. So I moved down to Nashville and I'm, and that was like in the dead of summer. And I made it about six months before I realized that was a really bad choice. Like I can't right. do the heat. So I moved back to Minnesota where right now we're in the dead of winter. It's nice and cold. I'm, I'm regretting my decisions, but um, right, summer, yeah. fall, make it worth it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm here in Columbia, South Carolina and it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cold here now, but the summers are, are kind of brutal, but, um, yeah. yeah, it can get hot and humid, right? Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so as, as far as you, you kind of talked about different folks and in investing in multifamily are you, who, who, who would be like a ideal customer for you? Is this like a high network, you know, high, you know, somebody with a lot of income? Is this, you know, high net worth? Or you, you kind of hear about, you know, people that are, you know, maybe like LPs or something like that. Maybe you could just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So it, it kind of spreads the gamut in terms of who's coming into these deals. It could be somebody who has like a 401k from past employer and they have a bunch of money sitting there. So they could be a teacher or, you know, a plumber um, and they want to reinvest that money out of the stock market and put into real estate. So that's like maybe one group and they don't necessarily have to be high net worth individuals or even high income earners, right? Like right. after many years, your 401k can have a lot of money in it. But the other side and the side that we really focus on is, business owners who are doing pretty good. Like they've, they succeeded in building a fairly successful business. It's okay. generating cash and they're, they know how to do that. But the thing that they don't know and who we've encountered with a lot of business owners is that they're really good at building their business, but they don't know what to do outside of that. And so they just keep right. pouring everything back into growing the business. And there comes this point in their life where they realize, oh my God, I have this one big golden egg in this back in this basket, what do I do to diversify so that I'm not so dependent on that 
stream of income or that one equity source? And how do I make it so that I don't feel as uh, tied to that business as well? So I feel like I have more options. And so okay. giving them the ability to co-invest alongside us in these deals, that's that's a pretty big one. So that could be maybe a lawyer or a physician who has like a, their own practice. It could be somebody who has like a, a digital marketing agency or a grocery store. So that's who right. we focus right. a lot on is like servicing the entrepreneurs because that's who we were. Like in a past life, we were those people who are like, and we still are just building businesses because that's what we know and love and that's what we do. And right. trying to help those people have a new avenue for investing outside of that business. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So is there a certain, and, and obviously on this podcast, we're not here to provide financial advice. We're here just to kind of, kind of learn about, you know, what you're doing and, and how to, how to think about investing in, in multifamily and, and how it works. Um, how does, what is kind of the typical hold time? Because I guess you have to, because you need capital to what buy the property and then you have income coming in from renters. And then do you eventually sell it? And, and that kind of helps with part of the return or what is, what is the kind of the time frame with the properties? Yeah. That, so that's going to vary depending on the business plan, the thesis behind it. So like, okay. let's just take a plain Jane value add multifamily deal that looks pretty cookie cutter that we would typically do that. So we're going to go and we're going to find an asset, like a class C or class B asset where it's a little bit older. There's some deferred maintenance. There's some work to be done. And there's a Delta between in-place rents and market rents. So we're going to find a way to get in there and make improvements to the property that are going to allow us to get those rents up. Right. And then we're going to bring operational efficiencies to drive down the expenses, which ultimately serve to make our buildings more valuable. Now we look for assets that are cash flowing from day one. So that means that they're already generating a surplus of cash, which is great because cash flow is really the buffer. When we're looking at like a rising interest rate environment or cap rates, and if we're projecting all our returns based off of some down the road exit event that we we really can't predict very accurately because it could be right. three, five, seven years down the road. Like, I don't know. Cash flow is what allows us to survive and get to that end point. So that's like number one is we're looking for decent cash flow from day one. And once we go and we do those renovations, which usually takes about two to three years, then we go back to the bank, we refinance and we do what's called a cash out refinance where we now have the bank reappraise it at its new higher value. They loan off that new higher value. We use the returns to pay back often 50 to 60% of investors' initial capital. They still stay in the deal. Just now they have less money on the table, so they de-risk the investment. Okay. And then we typically hold it for what we project is usually five to seven years. And that's for two reasons. One, that tends to be where like the IRR or the internal rate of return hits its peak. Two- okay. When you're approaching investors, quite often you don't want to go to them and say, hey, we're going to hold this investment forever because they want to know right. that they're going to get their money back. So five to seven years is typically the length of time you can expect to have your money tied up. For us, we're a little bit unique in that we only work with investors who understand that really what our goal is, is to buy assets and then never sell them. And so, yes, okay. we project five to seven years, but when five to seven years comes up, we will either do another cash out refinance and pull everybody's capital out and continue holding this cash flowing asset, which is just generating an infinite return because everybody got their money back. So that's awesome. Right. Or if anybody wants out of the deal, then we just buy them out at that point. And so okay. a lot of our investors like that thesis. And if that doesn't jive with you know somebody, then that's cool. That's, we're just not a great fit for you because there's plenty of operators that are going in and doing their their flips in three to five years. If you're looking for right. a faster flip over and like getting your equity, like really snowballing, 
that's going to be a better fit for you. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Now, have you found that certain um, multifamily projects do better near certain things? Like, I mean, is it good to be near like maybe like a school or a grocery store or, or has, has anything or, or have you come across anything maybe just unusual that feels like it's kind of like just feeling, you know, like a, like a, like a good deal or a good location? hundred percent. You know, real estate is all location, location, location. And when we look at, we could look at the macro MSA and say, okay, is this a city that's desirable? Do people want to live here? Cool. But even as you zoom in to the neighborhood level, like a lot of things change on a neighborhood block by block basis. And so mm-hmm. one neighborhood might be really awesome, but the, that one block on that neighborhood for whatever reason, like it just, it's not quite there. And our right. unique advantage is we know our market, like the back of our hand, because we live here. So we know exactly which blocks are the questionable blocks and which ones like there's a lot of opportunity. Typically what we're looking for is one, either we want to be in the path of progress, which means we know that there's a lot of development happening in that area for one reason or another. Um, And so we know that in a couple of years that this, this neighborhood is going to become the new place to be, or we're looking for a place that's already like highly desirable for a factor, a number of factors. One could be like you mentioned schools. That's a big one. Um, we're looking for, uh, proximity to amenities more and more we're seeing, especially in an urban environment, people don't want to own their car and have to travel very far to get to things. And so the closer that we can be to a good grocery store, to a good entertainment or good food, like that's going to go a really long ways. And one of the, one of the things that Minneapolis has, that's really unique is that we have the number one parks and trail system in the U S and so we have really close proximity pretty much wherever you are in the city to like awesome trails and parks and lakes. So we try to look at when we're investing in the cities, okay, where do people always want to live? Like, okay, they always want to live by nature, by that lake and and this cool area that has these great restaurants and whatnot. So let's go focus on those areas. And then where is the path of progress happening? Like, where do we know right now that area could be great, but for whatever reason, historically, there's been issues over there. But we know on a five to 10, 15 year horizon that it's going to be a very desirable place. And so the, right. okay. the core thesis there is like to play, have a really long view of the, the time horizon. Right. Okay. Very cool. Are, are you seeing in the properties that you're looking at now or with the pandemic and everything, are you, are you seeing more people looking for like dedicated spaces to, to work, you know, work from their, from their apartment units? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think overall in the class A luxury space, we're seeing that a lot now. Um, And what happened a lot during COVID was a lot of those people who could afford the class A luxury um, and didn't have the space necessarily, they have the, the, we'll say the financial flexibility to be able to leave and go to the suburbs or find someplace that has more space. And so we saw a lot of that throughout COVID, but the people that we serve, which is more workforce housing, class B, class C, these are people that are working jobs that don't really lend themselves to remote work, right? So yeah. they're service individuals, they're teachers, or you know, they're having to be on site. And so we're not really seeing so much demand there. Of course, at that 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 level, everybody wants more space in their apartment for sure. Um, right? Is why wouldn't you? Um, yeah. But generally, like we're we're not really seeing the remote work hit our sector super hard. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, so you've written a couple, couple books. I think your latest one is, uh, what the passive investing made simple. Is this for, 
for for anybody or is this somebody just focused on multifamily or maybe you could tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the book is really written for um, somebody who's interested in commercial real estate investing through okay. a passive okay. lens. Like they don't want to they don't want to take on the risk of signing on the loan. They don't want to do any of the work with the tenants, the toilets, the trash, any of that stuff. They want to be able to invest just like you would with the REIT where you put your money into it. It's invested in real estate and you're generating the returns. One of the things that makes that this structure unique though, is that you do own your co-owner in the building. So you get all the tax benefits of it as well. And as well as having this physical asset. And so it's okay. really designed okay. for people who want to learn about that. We write it through the lens of multifamily because that's what we do. But we talk a lot about other vehicles as well, self-storage, mobile home parks, industrial, because the syndication model, which is just a way for a group of investors to pool their resources and go acquire an asset with their combination of skills, which is like their time, their experience, and their capital. Like the syndication model can work for, you know, retail or grocery anchored um, shopping centers or multifamily. So the core thesis there is going to enable you to go invest in any of those, but we write it through the lens of multifamily just because that's what we know the best. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. So, so what, what on, I guess on a daily basis, are there any particular kind of commercial real estate platforms that you use or that you've kind of found helpful? You know, for us, largely what we use is CoStar. Um, trying okay. to get data on you know sales, transactions, volumes, who's buying what in what areas, uh, getting a sense of different rent comparables. I f- you know it's a little bit more expensive, but it's actually a, a really powerful program once you right. understand right. all the things that you can do with it. So okay. that's going to be okay. the, the primary one for us when it comes to sourcing new deals. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, and and so what are your what are your I guess plans for the future? Are you going to stay kind of focused mostly on multifamily, or are you going to expand that out or expand other markets or anything like that? Yeah. So our one-year goal is to stay, continue staying focused. Like, like I said, being geographically focused gives us an edge. And we also feel that by staying focused within our asset class of multifamily, that continues to give us an edge. The, the more you do the thing, the better you get at that thing. And so we're, we're playing in that space because we have core competency there and we have a lot of confidence in that asset in the long term. Um, we're starting to branch outside of just class B and class C value add and starting to look at the office conversion and what can we do with this office space and turning it into multifamily. So that's something that we're, we're running hard at um, in this year. In the future, on a three-year horizon, we're looking to expand into new markets. So looking at maybe you know, other Midwest markets like Des Moines or Omaha. But for us to, to be able to move into a new market, it would require us to have two things. One is that to maintain that vertical integration, which is something that makes us, it gives us a lot of confidence in our business model. So we need to have scale and the team on the ground to be able to execute that. And then two, we would need to have local expertise. So that means finding the right partner that has that expertise in that market that would allow us the confidence to say, we know this market as though we live there ourselves. Okay, interesting. Yeah, 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 it really helps. It really helps to know that market well, um, and that's hard to do whenever you're hopping to other markets and getting set outside of the market that you're familiar with. Yeah, because um, you can you can see all the data in the world, and that can be very helpful. But like in any city, I guarantee we all know of like that one building where no matter what goes in there, like it fails. There's a restaurant right, in right. there every six months. It's in a great area, and you look at it and you go, "That why is that failing?" Like I don't understand it. 
And you can't really like see that in the data, but being a local, you just kind of know like that building is cursed for some reason. So like it's one of those subjective things that you only know by being a local that gives us a, a lot of advantage in the space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you, when you purchase a building, does, do you, do you brand, is there a consistent brand across all the buildings or does it kind of maintain its, its identity that, that it had before? Yeah, we try to maintain as much of the pre-existing character as possible. One of the things okay. that's really cool about the Twin Cities is the buildings were, a lot of the, what we're buying is, you know, um, turn of the century, uh, mid-century. They had really cool architectural features that give mm-hmm. it a lot of history. And so one of the reasons that people like to come and live in our properties is because we try to maintain that historical blend along with more of a modern feel. And so we want to have like a tie to the past, but also still giving like the amenities of the future. Right. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. And then when it comes to property management, are you, you're handling all that in-house for all your properties? Is that right? That's right. Yep. Okay. So we have an awesome team that handles everything from, you know, leasing to maintenance requests, repairs, uh, putting on community events. Like um, that's one of the things that gives us like the most gratification and what we do is being able to like make a positive impact on neighborhoods and communities that we live in. So like being able to work with those families is, is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, I guess what's the, what's the biggest challenge that you come across whenever you're, you know, to kind of taking on a a new project? People, people are always the hardest part. hundred percent. I don't yeah. care what business that you're in. It's always people, whether that's employees or vendors or customers, like people are hard because people are emotional beings that you can't, they're not coin operated machines that you can just put a coin into and then get the X result that you'd like. You, you right. can't talk right. to every human the same way and expect to them to receive the message in the same way. And so that makes everything hard. You, it, 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 you can't scale that, that aspect. You have to deal with a lot of it one-on-one. Um, so like, for yeah, instance, yeah. in the last two years, one of the big difficulties that we've had is, thinking about people is the labor shortage. Like yeah. there is so much work to be done out there. There's just not enough people wanting to take the work at the moment. And that's problematic. Right. So right. then it's like, okay, how do we create an incentive filled environment that somebody wants to come to work? Um, because one of our core values is that like, we're not, we don't want to be working with people who aren't like ignited every day with passion for what they do. And right. so we're not looking for a body to put into a seat. We're looking for like somebody who like is, is just on fire to deliver every single day an awesome product. And so right. that's been difficult yeah. in the last two years, but you know, that's for us, we, we view our jobs as we're paid to solve problems. So that's just the problem that we have to solve. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, are there, you've been in, in this space for a while. Are there any like, um, conferences for people to go to, 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 I don't know, learn more about commercial real estate and kind of specifically multifamily. I know we, we go, we go to ICSC international council of shopping centers kind of, cause we're so focused on retail, but I imagine there's probably some good multifamily stuff out there as well. There are, there are. So three that come to mind. Um, one of them was actually just two weeks ago and it was called, it's called IIREC, the intelligent investor real estate conference. And that talks okay. a lot through the lens of multifamily, but honestly, it deals with all aspects of commercial real estate. Um, but it deals, it talks more through the lens of being a limited partner in these deals. So that's a great way if you're a limited partner wanting to learn like what's it mean to like passively invest into something like this. That's a really killer one. 
If you want to learn more about multifamily in particular, then two that I would really recommend one's next month called the best ever real estate conference that's in Denver. Um, that's, a, that's always a really great event put on by the, the crew from Ashcroft Capital, which um, just a fantastic organization in the space. And then the next one that I would recommend is October or November of next year. I don't know which. It's called Multifamily Mastery 5. So it's the fifth edition of it. And that'll be down in Orlando, put on by the Jake and Gino community, which is one of the best education communities in this space. If you want to learn about, you know, passively investing and honestly, and full disclaimer, like they're the publishers of my last book, Passive Investing Made Simple. So I'm a little biased there. Right. Yeah. 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 No, that's all right. Um, So, so kind of our core audience, you know, we were kind of talking about the show earlier, um, you know, we have, we kind of have a group that's focused on site selection and, and kind of competition monitoring, but we also have a, a huge group that's focused on getting their um, services or, or products like into new buildings, like, like for ground up developments or for like renovations. Um, maybe, maybe, do you have any advice for like, if I'm selling locks or windows or, or whatever, how, what's, what's the best way for me to be a part of like maybe one of your projects? I think when it comes to selling, one of the, the most helpful frameworks is to always sell the vacation, not the trip. Right. Right? So often right. we focus on like, oh, it's the plane tickets only X number of dollars and you're going to get there in five hours. And it's one, it's like no connections. And, but really I, all I care about is the time on the beach. Right. And yep. when it comes to selling locks or windows, or like like uh, uh, the internet of things in a building. Right. A lot of times as an owner looking at that, like I need to understand what the vacation is. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I get it. Like, okay, cool. There's locks that make it easier for tenants to get in. Really help me understand the the user narrative. Like how is this going to make their life so much better than just a key? Right. Like help me understand that. Help me understand. Is this something that they really do value? And how do I know that they really value this? And I think the story, if you can, if you can talk in the form of the, the, the user story, that's going to go a long way. Cause a lot of times it's like, Hey, we can get in there. We can do the renovation. Like the, the implementation process is super quick. It's painless. It's easy. Awesome. I, I expect that. Right. Like that's not a selling point. I just expect that's, that. That's standard. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. don't sell me on the thing that I already expect. Like sell me right. on the back end of like, if you can give me a compelling reason why smart locks are going to make my attendance life that much better. And they're going to be that much happier to live at my property. Tell me that story. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Because yeah. it's not a hard story to tell. Like, Hey, imagine you, you're, you're a hard, you know, um, single mom. You just got back from the grocery store. You have your two kids. They're in tow. They're everybody's got arms full of groceries and they just got their backpacks from school. Right. And they're having a hard, like, you don't want to be fumbling for the key. It's just easy. Like the, the key, it just recognizes your phone and now you can get right in. Right. So like help me understand the story behind like how it's going to positively affect my residents. Cause a lot of times we look at it and it's like, that's cool. But does my resident really care? Like, is it really going to impact their life or is this just a cool thing that we could do? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's almost kind of selling the sizzle, you know, instead of the steak, you know, where you're, you're kind of, you're kind of talking about the, you know, the benefit instead of the actual product. Um, yeah. And, I don't and, yeah. care about the feature. Yeah. Right. 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 Like, right. I, I, I want to know what's the benefit. And, and, uh, and that's honestly, that's how we make decisions, right? We, we make decisions 
um, based off of our emotion. And then we logic into it. We justify it with logic, but right, really it's right. the emotion and the emotion comes from the benefit, not the feature. Cause nobody's like, that's a sexy feature that, that, that hits me in the emotional core. Like, no, it's a logic thing. So start with the right. emotion and work back to the logic. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, it, when it comes to like, like green technology and sustainability and all that, have you, have you, have you come across any, I don't know. I mean, are there, are there grants to kind of help with, you know, energy efficiency and, and that kind of stuff. I'm just maybe curious about any, any lessons you've learned kind of in, in that area. There is what I've learned is that one, there's a lot of benefit. There's a lot of grants. There's a lot of money out there, but it's not very well publicized. A lot of times, right. like the, whoever's running the marketing for these things is like terrible. And right. there's probably a lot that you're not even aware of. So the, the question is like, how do you, how do you become aware of that? Do you, how do you find the consultants or the people who have their finger on the pulse of all that stuff? Because there's a lot of opportunity there and, but it's not always available. It can be like on a tight time frame where it's like, Oh, you only have from January to February to get in your application for the entire 2022 allotment. If you miss right, that right, window, right. you're done. Right. And they're rigid with that stuff because it's, it's a lot of times government run. So figuring out, just because you haven't heard about it doesn't mean it's not there. So it's the things that we, we don't know, we don't know that can get us into a lot of trouble. So figure out how do you become aware of that? And that's something that we're just now starting to realize like how ignorant we are in that space, because it's one of those things that you can really develop a core specialty, just right. mastering that one thing, which we have, we haven't. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then once you, once you get more into that, I mean, that can, that can save money for, you know, for, for you as an operator and for your tenants, you know, if mm -hmm. it's, if it's more energy efficient or, or whatever. Um, Massively. And, and it's, it's, it's yeah. a feature and it's a benefit in the sense that like a lot of residents care about this stuff. Now, a lot of consumers, they care about how things are made, not just what it is. And they care about the narrative behind like the company and what they stand for, why they're making the thing. Right. Like we see this more and more. It's like the conscientious consumer, the same with residents. If, if X building is identical to Y building, the only difference is that this Y building is green and efficient, has solar and has wind energy and like all this great stuff. Like right. the resident's probably going to go there because right. it makes yeah. it feel good to know that they're contributing positively to the, the ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, well, any, anything, this is, this has been really interesting. Um, anything else you want to, or any, all right, here's what I should ask. Are, are there any, any products out there that, I don't know, either product, products or services for multifamily that like people ask for and, and you find either they're hard to get or maybe they don't exist? I'm just kind of putting on the entrepreneurial hat and, and thinking about the folks that, that use a lot of our, our software to kind of find leads. You know, is there, I mean, is there, uh, we kind of talked about smart, smart locks and, and energy efficiency. Um, I know there's, there's some companies out there that specialize in data, like, like for routing, like if you're going to deliver a package to an apartment complex, you know, exactly where to go, you know, mm -hmm. are, are, I don't know. Are, are there any just kind of challenges around kind of the physical building that, you know, maybe there's some opportunities, um, you know, for somebody to do something in, you know, it's it, that last one's really funny. The, the delivery route. Um, yeah logistics is because we, we just looked at a building a couple of months ago 
where they had done heavy renovations in it and they had put in like these Amazon storage lockers and it was like fantastic. They, they, right. they, they went to the nines on this building, but what they didn't account for is that none of the, the delivery personnel were going to be willing to go in the front door, find the stairs to the basement, go down the basement, down a hallway, find the storage locker and put it there. And so right. all the delivery people just drop all the boxes at the front door anyway. And it just and sat so, there. Yeah. Right. So it was like, oh, that was, that was kind of a waste. Right. And it was because not understanding what the, the user's journey was going to be like, is the delivery person actually going to want to do that? Probably not. Right. Um, yeah. So I think that's one side. I think there are some good softwares and technologies for resident relationships um, from a property management standpoint, but I think there's still room like for it to be way, way better. Like we're dealing with this right now where we just got a call from a, a resident because one of the boilers in our building went out, right? It's winter in Minnesota and sometimes that happens. And so right. their user journey of how they reach out and get in contact through the, the, the app or the software, there's still room to be improved there. I think yeah. thinking about yeah. what makes Amazon so successful as a company is it's so consumer centric and so focused on the end user's journey. Um, and I think that's one thing that across the board, we as an industry can do way better at is thinking about the resident journey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I talked to a guy one time, um, company called, I think it was crowd comfort and they've got some kind of app there that, that people, you know, can, you know, if, if, if they're too hot or they're, they're too cold or there's a light bulb out or something like that, I think they can take out like an app and kind of, you know, let somebody know. And, and then if, if a bunch of people respond to one thing, they know that's like something they need to go check out. Mm -hmm. um, well, interesting. Well, this is, like this that's has cool. been, yeah. Yeah. So this has been, this has been really interesting. Um, anything else? Um, maybe you want to share any, you got any, any questions for me or anything maybe else you want to kind of share, share with the, uh, the audience? Yeah, I guess, you know, for the audience, I'd be, I'd love to hear from you guys because you're, you're professionals in the space who are dealing with and solving a lot of these issues every single day is like, what are the issues that you guys are seeing in the space? specifically multifamily, because that's what I focus on when it deals with whether it's residents or it's in developing these new buildings with like green energy, like what are the big barriers that you guys are seeing? And I'd love to hear from you guys. If you want to reach out and shoot me an email or shoot it over to David or leave a review and say like, Hey, um, Anthony asked this question. Here's the answer. Um, right. But that's, that's always a cool thing with podcasts is it's sometimes it's like a one-way conversation where we're just talking at you, but I'd love to get some engagement on the other side and have you guys reach back out and let us know what you're seeing in the space. Absolutely. Well, what's, what's the best way for people to get um, in, 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 uh, in contact with you? Are you you're on LinkedIn or? Yeah, I'm, I'm all over the social media. So if you just okay. Google Anthony Vicino, um, you'll, you'll find me, but you can shoot me an email at Anthony at, at Invictus multifamily.com, or you can just go check us out at Invictus multifamily.com. We got a ton of free resources over there. We, like uh, we alluded to, had a book that came out last year and hit number one on Amazon, which is really neat. Um, wow. If you want a copy of that book, uh, just shoot me an email and say, I want a copy of that book, but I don't want to pay. Um, and I'll send you a copy for free. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely, we'll put your email in the show notes and um, definitely appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, Anthony. Yeah. Thanks for having me.